We can just call it a story. Yeah. So, well, it's a short story, but it's a. It, I mean, it's a podcast. Yeah, it's it's our our short story. It is a short story. In fact, it's so great because it happened this time one year ago. It's the longest short story ever. Well, here's how I remember it. We were about to get out of the water. We were fishing in Verdi. Mm-hmm. The sun had set. I. Well, there was a significance behind this, though. Because, um, if I recall, this was... Wasn't this the day... Was this the day that you got your first dry fly? Yes. Trout in the truckie? Right. Yeah. So you were kind of on a... Uh, what do you call it? Adrenaline. Like an adrenaline rush on top of the world. Yeah, that pool was running 300 CFS. Bugs kind of hatching. It was a little difficult, where I remember, but you did manage to nab one. I like, did. Like, just, like, almost perfectly. Like, it, 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 it was quasi-textbook. The thrill of having a dry fly taken is pretty magical. How would you compare it to, like, that time, like, catching your first, like, this best, biggest wave? Like, was it on par with that? Was it... Well, I remember my first drop-in. Okay. And the wave wasn't big. It was probably about maybe two feet, probably to my knee. But it was the very first time it was at Seal Beach River Jetties. And it was the first time I stood up before the water, the wave had broke. So my first time catching it before it was whitewashed. And I just remember getting up and dropping down and going straight. But that drop, that was uh, an adrenaline rush sure. that I never f- have forgotten my entire life. And that probably happened when I was, I don't know, 10, maybe. Do you see that Mad Max truck that just drove by? Literally. I saw Mel Gibson behind the wheel. Yeah, so we're recording this just in case you hear the traffic from our mobile command post, the Bearfish, a.k.a. Burritos, Breaks, and Flies mobile command post uh, that's recently uh, uh, listed on the market, allegedly, potentially. So if you have interest in a pretty sweet uh, mobile platform for camping, exploring, um I bought an old RV, and then my wife and I remodeled it, so... It's great We unbolted all the furniture, gutted it, cleaned it. Yeah, it's a sleeper. The the inside is awesome. It's the the ideal size. The outside, you know... Six sleeper. It's... it's, You can park it in in shifty neighborhoods, and I think you'll be okay. It's the perfect security. Right. The inside is unbelievable. The outside is believable no chance of anyone ever jacking it up taking the tires and spray painting honky lips on the side of this thing it is what it looks like on the outside right right in rv it is (laughs) but it's it's awesome it's another it's awesome all right all right we're sidetracking all right so 
Maybe so you're, we you're, you're take you're, it from the beginning. Okay, so from the beginning, we're having let's just kind of compartmentalize this. Ben was having a great day dry fly fishing. Got his first trout on a dry uh, size 14 EC caddis, if I recall. That's Correct. the only size that I throw in the summer on the truckie, and that's what I gave Ben. Worked out great. Um, and we kind of kept going. The sun started going down. About this time, it was probably, um, I mean, it was literally this time last year. So it's getting dark around 8.30, 8.45. And uh, around this time where the sun's already kind of disappeared, but we still have light, um, I... I kind of start encouraging Ben to get out of the water. Hey, let's go. He kind of had a good day because when the bite dies off, I mean, it wasn't coming back, you know, so I'm trying to encourage him to kind of go some out of the water. Um, and I poke up the trailhead a little bit and I hear a little chattering noise. I'm not going to try to recreate it because it'll be way <laughs> off. But you know, at first I'm like, wow, that's like a little squirrel or, or whatnot. And then I see a little black and white bushy tail about 20 feet in front of me, poking out from behind a log on top of the trail. Now you can picture this, the trail, it's at elevation, so it comes from the river, uh, from the shoreline of the river, and it kind of goes up an embankment. So I'm looking up at the top of the trail as it crests the top of this embankment, and there's a big uh, wooden log there, and I see this little tail. Every time it chattered, the tail would wag a little bit, and I'm like, oh. Oh, it's a, it's a skunk. And then he pops his head out, and it's a young skunk. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, I'll get the camera out. I take a picture of the skunk, and I start talking to him, kind of like Ace Ventura. I think that was where where it went wrong. It, I, it was a tight trail out. Mm -hmm. of, there, there was no other way to get out except for that trail. Well, it's very much like Ace Ventura when, you know, he's in his car and he's like, hey, you hungry little fella? He kept coming, and I kept taking pictures, and he got real close, and then I started walking backwards, and he kept coming, and then I gave Ben the alert, and then I think Ben can take it from here, because pieces, pieces of this go foggy for me, because it was, it was traumatic. Basically, I thought I was watching the movie Cujo, <laughs> and it was not Cujo, but a skunk, and Nico had a look of genuine concern at this point mm -hmm. he was on the the, the defensive and yeah. you know if you fish with nico he's not usually on the defensive right i mean we we fish in a pretty safe area i mean we we do watch out for we do have a, a interesting vagrant population that uh well hides in hide nooks and crannies on the river but they're usually nothing to worry about yeah you know uh i've run into a bear or two on the river again not much to fret about However, this time, I tried with some standard tactics to distract the skunk from our activities in the water. I think that was part two, where it went wrong. Uh, you ever, remember like when we were kids, Ben, and you splash each other with water? Like you're in the pool with your friend, and you're like, oh, I'm going to splash you in the face. And you're like, oh, and they splash you back. Skunks usually are deterred by massive amounts of cupped water hitting their body, like broadsiding, like freshwater tsunami, which I reenacted. I just started, you remember, I was splashing him, yep. and he did this weird front paw pounce thing. Remember, he was like, he kind of did it some very pouncy, odd. strange, and he kept 
coming into the shoreline like he wanted to get in the water but he realized that was a poor decision but it was it was essentially a series of very fast charges and retreats it was it was and at some point we lost count so and then the teeth that's what i remember see i this is foggy this is foggy to me the skunk opened its mouth and it's got little needle teeth and it's hissing Mm, right and then when it got serious is when it started to turn around and lift its tail right and you know what do you do at that point you back up we backed up and we were at a point where we had a little more backup room in the river but you know another three or four steps um we would have been completely submerged so strategy time so now we're literally back in the river two grown men yeah are on the defensive put in the river by a little rabid skunk a little rabid skunk and 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 it's pretty much dark now we gotta get there. out we both have families right we don't want to win the battle and lose the war with our fishing account time yeah well then again you just don't that smell you know we, yeah. i mean that's 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 a problem in itself you know that's that's an additional issue um so strategy time came and i'm like okay ben here's the plan i'm gonna distract and you're gonna run and so basically i gave ben the direction to run out on the trailhead we came in on because at this point the skunk seems to be focused on me uh because i'm causing the most We're amount of walking education. back now in the water and you cannot walk fast in water. No. It's, you're in your waders. You're going rock to rock. The truckies are very slippery. But we are making pretty good process. Uh, but that, that um, skunk was right parallel with us on shore. When, and we, and we tested them. Check. And we tested them. Oh, hey, on cue. We got another, we got another train coming, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah, Shocking. Um, and, you know... Right before I called for the uh, evasive maneuver, uh, we did move upriver a little bit just to kind of test it to see, uh, um, you know, if it would follow us. And indeed it did. We gave it about 20 feet, maybe, of trying to move up. Uh, gave and, it some space. Right. And it, it, it just kept on its course, uh, showing its teeth, saying foul things, um... I think it gave us the finger, I'm pretty sure. It could have. Yeah, the skunk version of giving it was it was rough. But then yeah, like Nico said, it came time where, hey, we gotta get out of this river. Yeah. And we are not gonna outwalk this skunk. No. No. So Ben proceeded, uh uh successful escape, mind you. Uh the whole time the skunk was eyeing me. Uh Ben exited the river uh, unscathed, got the high ground and um kind of gave him direction hey i'm heading this way you we, head that we way we parted ways and the skunk stayed with nico right his true enemy right uh yeah and so i decide that i mean i'm kind of familiar with the area where we're at and i'm like i know there's a uh, a little trail over here it's a little overgrown with brush but i can pop through it the brush is really tall i mean the brush is probably up to my waist there's a couple large fallen trees i have to hop over um I'm like, okay, I'm going to go this way. So I run. I mean, I'm like a full, I mean, as fast as you can run in waders with stuff in hand, you know, your rod in hand and whatever else. And at this point, I'm on top of a bank. Um, there's thick brush. Nico's probably about 50 yards away from me. Mm-hmm. I could hear running, but I can't see him. Mm. So I make it over a log. 
and then I get over the second log, and then I capture, uh, I see Ben's silhouette on the ridgeline. I call it a ridgeline, it really wasn't, but just because I was so tired. about 30 feet up from yeah, the river. right, but just because I was so tired and exhausted, and, uh, I didn't think I'd be this exhausted, but it was a lot of brush, and it was a lot of crawling over, you know, shoulder-high fallen trees, and I'm like, this is ridiculous, but there's no way the skunk is going to want to even deal with following me so i make up the embankment huffing and puffing huh and then i touch my chest and i realize my phone is gone and i'm like oh no and it's dark so ben pulls out his phone he right did you give me your phone you turned the light on on the light and i knew i kind of knew where i dropped it It was back on the last log which was probably from here about 20 feet away i called it yeah he did call it and uh and there's a little bit of an elevation drop so i got to go back down this little embankment back down to the log the log is kind of hidden in all this you know the the shrubbery and stuff that's kind of overgrowing it so now we're both trudging through just pure it's like thick vegetation yeah like there's whatever it is wild strawberries right. sumac we both left our giant machetes at home we did we didn't have we don't own them right well true. we should have right and there was underneath the log i see the phone face up i see a little light you know, and I, I saw it from a distance. Yeah, so perfect. About five feet away. Right. So, in in any effort to keep distance and safety from a skunk, Ben and I try not to keep too close together. But at this point, we're pretty confident in the fact that we have nothing to worry about. My, my tunnel of sight was literally vegetation that Nico had broken on the way up and now on the way back. Right. And, okay, so there's a lot of joy here because, oh, we found the phone. And we're like, <laughs> yay. And as I bend down, there was just this overwhelming sense. I'm bending down to pick up the phone. I put my arm up on the log. So you can picture this. This this log where I'm standing is about chest height. I put my arm on the log. I bend down using the log as a counterbalance to keep my, you know, so I don't fall over. I reach down. Oh, yeah, there's a phone. I pick it up. And as I'm in this bent over position with one eyeball looking at the ground, the other eyeball in its peripheral vision, uh, the right eyeball, in case you're wondering, (laughs) And the peripheral vision catches this slight movement, a twitch, on the top of the log. And there it was. Spiny teeth. It knew chattery. that Nico lost his phone and that he would go back for it. It was guarding the phone in it, pure vengeance. Pure vengeance. And in that split second, uh, I saw what was going on. Ben picked up on it, and it was... This evasive twist, I don't even know what it looked like, but it did kind of hurt my back a little bit. But this twist where he turned around to to give us a spray, and it was just like uh, like dodgeball. What is it? It was every action movie you've ever seen where they have the exploding cloud, the fireball. Uh-huh. Yep. And it's basically almost overtaking you. Yeah. We're both in pure flight once again. Right. And going up a bank. Right. And it was just like it was like the movie twenty twelve where California was, you know, streets were sinking, buildings were collapsing, but their little plane was just barely getting through there. Right. That's us outrunning the fog, the spray. And I thought for sure I mean I could almost hear liquid hit vegetation. Right. I and, thought we were done for. And the only saving grace was that, you know, wearing waders. We're like, okay, well, majority of that, hopefully all of it hit the waders. And 
stroke of luck. We ran and we ran with the smell on our nose. I could almost see it right behind us. Yeah, it just didn't, it didn't get us. After get running us. for a long time, we kind of stopped. We were laughing. We were surprised. And we realized we had escaped. There's one piece of the story I think you're leaving out. I think this is the same time in when you extracted yourself from the river and ran up onto the high ground. And I was dealing with the brush. Didn't you have a face-to-face with something up there? Yeah, I did. That was... Uh, it was a big buck. Yeah. What did it? What happened? What did it say? He said it mentioned something yeah. with its eyes. It was quite interesting. It like, was something like "Don't tread on me." Yeah. I gave it space. Yeah. I've seen a lot of bucks. Yeah. You know, I like to give nature its space. Right. I feel like I'm the one who's on their territory. So. Would you say it was closer than normal? Like in. Oh yeah, I came right up a bank, right up a ridge, and I was probably like seven feet from its face so you're like you can probably almost feel like the heat from its breath the sting from its eyeballs yeah yeah but i was uh yeah that was interesting that that happened first dry fly face to face with a buck right and escape right from bloody nose ridge it's a tough one and i'll tell you ben and i have not been back to that and i gotta tell you uh we've been to the area to the area yeah not that exact pool and a lot of it has to do with the cfs and flows the flows and stuff but i I did i did take an experimental trek through there uh yesterday just to just to see what things look like yeah um the chances of people frequenting that location lately have been low i noticed the trail's a little overgrown in general and whatnot so um yeah, the chances of that happening again, I don't know. But I do remember uh, reporting that to uh, Department of Wildlife. And uh, we called a friend over there and we're like, hey, FYI. And um, the response was, oh, yeah, that happens. It was probably rabbit. Like, in our mind, we're like, this is the end of the world. Skunks are, you know, it's like like Planet of the Apes, but Planet of the Skunks. Like, I mean, this thing probably went, wait. If it weighed two pounds, we're probably giving it too much credit. Yeah, it was, uh, it packed a big punch it for a its big size. Punch. Yeah, so, I mean, I even left out the part where I threw, like, like that 40-pound or 50-pound stick at it. Like, I hate to do this to an animal, but it keeps charging me. That's when you did your extraction. I went up going through the brush line. I found this big <laughs> heaving stick, and I, I double-handed it, like Braveheart style, like throwing a massive axe. Wow. And it, it thunked it. It hit the skunk and it was just like it just kept going. You like, know what? That that reminds me of a quick little side story. I was at Golden West in Huntington Beach. Yeah. My that was before I drove. I think I was uh I don't know, twelve or thirteen. My parents we'd all carpool and one of our parents would drop us and then pick us up later, so we had a lot of idle time at the beach uh-huh. after we'd surfed. And I saw these little kind of like varmint things. They lived kind of on the cliffs there. And one of my friends threw a rock at it. And he's like, I'll bet you can't hit that. And I was like, not thinking about what would happen if I did hit it. Mm. And it started to move. And I just got lucky. I kind of threw, I aimed into its path and I connected with it right on its head. 
and it Uh-oh. knocked over on its back. It twitched, and then it went still onto its side. And the two friends I was with both looked at me like I was a murderer. Sure. <laughs> and anyways, the good news is it, it ended up getting up and running off after about four minutes. So fun facts. That That's a wonderful fact. So thank you for sharing. And the moral of the story, boys and girls, uh, is... Um, don't throw rocks or sticks at little animals right. unless, of course, it's absolutely necessary. Right. At the beach, it wasn't. Right. Here, it was 100% justified, mm-hmm. but ineffective. Right, right. If you want to live life, if you feel like you're in a rut, I say go fly fishing. You'll see a buck. You'll get attacked by a skunk. You'll catch your first dry fly fish. You'll be having the adrenaline pump. I feel like this has changed everything for dry flying for us forever because that'll always be in the back of the mind as we're dry flying. Like, if things are too good, generally, they probably are. Something's going to happen. Something, the yin and the yang. Look, we got so many other animals out here that I'm worried about. Like, we have the um, the Sierra beavers, right? No telling what they could do. We saw what they did when we are out on that fly craft. And that's coming in the future. We're going to do a flight. Oh. Lightcraft Maiden Voyage recap. It felt like we were like on an expedition for beavers. Like we were filming a beaver documentary. That's how many beavers. We were heard on the about seven tail slap. Yeah, and not just little slaps. Like, oh, was that a beaver or a humpback whale breaching the Truckee River? Or I don't know. A garbage truck being dumped off the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, and we also. Um, in the western section here, uh, near the state line, we have the uh, the marten, which is a form of a weasel. And just so you know what these guys are doing, quick story, last one, I promise. Uh, same area, Verdi Wood Dam, the Diversion Dam. As you're facing it, um, to the left side, there's an old concrete pour, you know, that they use to reinforce it. It's kind of broken apart. It's got a bunch of big cracks. And raises in it and martins go in there make little homes and i saw this little duck family coming across and baby ducks i'm talking you know they're about halfway grown i mean they're sizable they got their feathers you know probably another week or two they're on their own so they're pretty big young ducks five of them maybe six and they're waddling across the top of this thing there goes mama and one then two then three then four then five number six goes to drop off from this little concrete ledge down into the water and mid jump this martin jumps out of the crack grabs it with his front paws and teeth and pulls this duck in this concrete crack like this duck's probably almost eight inches long like from beak to tail you know um not with head extended so you know and it's you know maybe it's a half a pound pound it's kind of a biggish duck and it pulled it through this crack that was probably three inches wide it just, nope. it just, just, just a, a, a big curdling of crunches and a big puff of feathers and a big squawk. And from that point on, I've been terrified of Martins. So watch yourself. Beware. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, well, that's, that's our short little <laughs> anniversary of the Skunk Spring podcast. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's more to come. So 
tight lines, and until next time, we'll see you later. See you later.